What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. We're taping the podcast. I'm back with John Milky at Blast Podcast where I have been recording all of the podcasts that are happening outside of the city, and uh, we've had some amazing content. As you can tell, I actually don't have my usual scripted intro into this podcast, because here we are. We're doing another one of a solo podcast. And I, I know that I mentioned it on social media that I was in the midst of kind of putting something together. And then I realized, you know, it's hard to come up with things or think that you're being really smart or you have the right topics or feel like it's the right time to be able to do it. So if you listen to my 100th, which many of you did, and I'm incredibly touched by the response that I had from that podcast, it was the 100th podcast and how terrified I was to do it, how much I held back doing it, I procrastinated doing it, I made excuses not to do it. And then I almost needed that 100th episode to you know, just have a deadline. And I was, I think I was starting to do the same thing with the second one going, I think I'm going to wait till like 125 or let's wait till 150. And then I realized I need to stop doing that. And it was interesting because I'm coming off of a week where I actually felt inspired to talk again and to share stories again and feel like I had the right content to be able to do so. So that's pretty much how we're coming to this episode right now. And it's funny because I just... (laughs) I just got back from the hospital about like an hour ago, having uh, another uh, kind of my year checkup of where I was last year when I went in to have the biopsy done. So I'm actually exactly to the same week as I was last year at this point in time. And and that kind of got my that kind of got my juices flowing because last week I remember I went to the Women in Business Conference as a, as you know and an attendee and I sat in the back corner of the room feeling incredibly out of place still not quite comfortable in my own skin because I hadn't quite let go of I'm a TV personality I'm like a journalist I'm a storyteller and I don't know what I'm doing here at a business conference with women who have all of these successful businesses and are working for banks and wealth companies and real estate companies and they have their own businesses. And so I kind of just hid in the back corner and I was only at that conference for half a day because I had to go to the hospital and get my biopsy done. And so I I remember the day vividly. And two days ago, I went back to that exact same conference and I hosted it. And I felt like a million bucks. I felt so far from where I had been the year before. And today I had just come back from doing the year long checkup of, of, you know, of my boobs. So it's amazing what can happen in a year and to reflect back and to understand the growth that one has to go through and also feel like I have things that I can share and things that I've learned that I feel comfortable sharing and teaching, but not necessarily teaching, but just sharing. And I loved being at the conference because it was an amazing day. There were some amazing speakers 
But honestly, it was the room. And a lot of you know, like I have emceed or hosted hundreds of galas and fundraisers and golf tournaments. I'm very comfortable on a stage, but I can always tell when I get up on the stage what kind of a room it is. I can tell if it's, you know, uh, at a golf, it's just people who want to get in and out and get home. It's been a long day on the golf course. And I can tell those that are coming to the gala and they just want to socialize and they know they've raised money and can get through the program so we can go dance and drink. And then I know that I can do events where there's a real charitable component and people want the stories and they want to feel, you know, the emotion behind an event. And I'm able to do that. And so I was incredibly nervous stepping onto that stage because I didn't know the audience. I thought I knew the audience, but it, you don't really know it until you can look out and see the people looking back at you. And are they looking back at you, looking to be entertained, engaged? Uh, what kind of person is going to show up? And it was like in that moment that I knew my true authentic self was showing up and that it was going to be appreciated by the 400 plus women that were in the crowd. There were actually two men by the way. So I give kudos to those men for being there. Uh, But it was 400 plus women. And it was the first time that I was stepping in as the role as the host because Sandra Tizia, who had created this event, had let go of the event, given it to the Women's Business Network and had passed on the torch to me to be able to host it. And in knowing that I was going to have a couple of minutes at the beginning of the day to set the tone for the day, and not just have to right away go and intro the first speaker, I knew that I had a couple of minutes to share a story that I shared a story, especially of with it being women uh, in a competitive nature. I mean, these are business women, entrepreneurs, that I went back to a story and I thought, you know what? They love the story, so I'm going to share the story as well. And I was nervous sharing the story, but then the response that I got from people afterwards saying it really set the tone for the day. And so I figured that's where I wanted to start this solo story, the solo podcast story. So I'm going to take you back to 1990. I am 15 years old. I'm actually, I just turned 15 that summer and I was at a competition in Detroit and it was one of these multi-sport competitions. So there were athletes from all over North America and all different sports and there was an opening ceremonies and there was like a couple of days of competition and I was really excited to go. And so when you have a competition like that, Oh, for those of you who are just joining me and don't know my background, I was a gymnast, by the way. I should probably mention that. For those of you, hi, welcome. This is me. And I was at this competition, and you're really quick to know who the who your competitors are. You can scout out the crowd. You pretty much know who's at your level, who is going to be your biggest threat. And, you know, it's same with teams. I mean, I'm coming from an individual sport, but you can get that also. You know which teams are ranked high. You know which ones are going to be the ones to beat. And so there was this girl there. Her name was Tara. She was from Kansas. And she was really good. And I and we both knew early on that we were each other's competition. And so we had these training days and then the official days of competition start. And I am so excited. By the way, I should mention, like, I wasn't very friendly with Tara. She wasn't very friendly with me. You know, we were individual sport athletes. It's kind of dog eat dog. It's you fend for yourself. There's really not much of a team atmosphere. It's it's just you. And you want the other competitor to fall. Like you don't want them to hurt themselves and you don't want them to be injured, but you just want them to fall off the apparatus. That's pretty much how it works, especially in gymnastics. And it was day one of competition. 
And I was so excited to be wearing this brand new gym suit. It was like a white gym suit. And it was the first time that I really had um, like the Canadian maple leaf sewn in on the side. Like, so it really kind of made the gym suit official. Like I was really excited to wear it. And the first event that I had was, um, was the floor exercise. And if anyone's seen gymnastics, you know, you go and there's like tumbling passes and, you know, you're on the floor mat for about a minute and a half. And in a lot of sports, well, in any sport, you cannot touch your equipment, right? So like in dance or cheer or, or skating. So you you would get deducted for touching a gym suit, your hair, anything like that while you're in the midst of competition. So I start my floor routine. I'm so excited about this gym suit. And by the time I'm done my first tumbling pass, I uh, can feel my gym suit riding up my bum. So like I know that it's not going to be staying in, in, in its spot and I can slowly feel it rising slowly up my butt cheeks. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable. This isn't the way I saw this going, but I can't touch it. I get to my second tumbling pass. And by the time I have finished my second, second tumbling pass, it's pretty much like almost a thong, but like not quite a thong, but it's if you were to describe it, it it's probably like thong like and my mom who's my coach I can see her from the corner of my eye you know she's on the side and, and I, I can't tell if she's looking at me like you know what at this point you got to grab the gym suit and fix it or it was one of those looks of don't you dare grab your gym suit because you're going to get deducted for it and so I should also mention at this point, like I'm 15 years old, right? I'm trying to feel pretty cool. And there's like all of these different sports and athletes. And I should mention like boys that are watching. And I'm like at this point in the middle of routine, like just beyond devastatedly like embarrassed. But I have to finish this routine and I go to do the third tumbling pass. And at this point, like it is so far up my bum. I think it actually hurts. It's like one of those thongs that like imagine like you're seeing somebody split and turn and flip and you're at a strip club. Like I had nothing left in my gym suit. And by the time I finished routine, I couldn't get off that floor fast enough. Like I presented, got off and all I wanted to do was reach back. And you know, you know, like you just go to reach back and like do a little fling and get your, you know, get the wedgie out or get the, so I went to kind of fling my gym suit back out of my bum. And then the more I kind of went to go reach for it, like there was no fabric, like there was no fabric left to grab like at all. So I had to, at this point, go to the bathroom because I had to go digging. Like I had to go digging for the gym suit. If you can Sorry to make this graphic, but you need to realize what was going on. And I get to the bathroom, and then this girl, Tara, walks in. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I've just had the most embarrassing moment out. And what is she doing? She's coming in with, like, this spray. And I'm like, what, she's coming in to fix her hair? Like, I was just, like, in such a negative, like, what are you doing? Anyway, this girl, Tara, comes up to me with this can. And she says, we still have a full day of competition to go. You're going to need this. And it was like this little trick that she had learned. She had trained at Caroli's, Bella Caroli's club. Anyway, it was a spray that you spray on your skin and on the gym suit and it sticks. And so you don't run into the issue of having your gym suit run up. And here she was, we had already kind of had this, I know I'm like, we knew we, we were each other's competition. And she had this ability to kind of jokingly joke it off and come in and be like, you're totally going to need this. And then it was like all of the walls just dropped. And I think for one, I was really embarrassed that why would I have been so judgmental about a person or so competitive or so, you know, because I saw her as a threat, 
I wasn't the kindest person and I wasn't the best competitor. And I slowly started to realize, especially as the next couple of hours went by and the two more days of competition went by, this competitor of mine was more like me than any of my friends, than any of my family. She understood me better than anyone that I could go to school and tell people about my experience. Here she was, also 15 years old, training four hours a day, going to school full time, leaving school so that she could get to practice, train four hours, come home, do her homework, kind of try to catch up with friends, missing school parties, missing school dances, missing the kids going to the mall. Like we had the exact same life. And yet, I saw her as why why wouldn't I like her? She's exactly she's exactly like me. Like I'm looking at a mirror of myself. And it was the first time that I realized as competitors we have this ability to to see ourselves in our competitors because they are doing and trying to accomplish the exact same thing as us. It was a lesson that I learned at 15. The great part about it, though, is that we became pen pals because back in the 1990s, that's what you do. You write letters and we didn't have, there was no phones, there was nothing. There were, I don't think we had, we, we didn't have World Wide Web yet, if I'm really thinking about it. And so we became pen pals and we kept that up for a little while. And then we kind of lost track. And I was at the University of Massachusetts Amherst on my recruiting trip. And on this recruiting trip, I was offered this scholarship, and I knew that this coach had two to offer, two full rides. And so I said to him, I go, you know, I'd love to come. Who is the other gymnast that you've offered a scholarship to? And he's like, well, I have a scholarship offer out, but we're waiting to hear back if she agrees before I offer it to somebody else. But she's got three other schools that are looking at her. And I said, well, can I see what she looks like? Can I see who it is? And of course, he puts in this tape, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at Tara from Kansas. And I recognized this gymnast from when I was 15 years old. And I said, Oh, my gosh, I go, I know her like we competed against each other. But we were pen pals like I could tell you so many things about this girl. And he goes, Well, can you call her? Because I know that she's trying to decide and we're not sure. So I give her a call. And I said, Tara, it's Leanne. Do you remember me? We met at 15. We were pen pals. She's like, well, absolutely. And I said, Listen, I just got I just got the offer at UMass and I go, I know you've been offered, but I just want to say like how amazing it would be to reunite and have this experience together. And she said, are you in? And I said, I'm in. She goes, I'm in too. And so meeting at 15 and then reuniting, you know, on our freshman year and we were roommates and, uh, and, and I will tell you this, we had four years of competing and building a program together. In those four years, there wasn't a day that we weren't competing against each other. We competed against each other every day in training, in our competitions, because the more we were able to push each other, the better we got and the better the team got. We started as freshmen. We built up a championship program. We were captains together. And we competed against each other every day. We each had our strengths and we each had our weaknesses, but we pushed each other because I wanted to be the last girl to go up on vault and she wanted to be the last girl to go up on floor. Like... And it, it, the way it works is that the best competitor, you, it's kind of like you have six competitors that go up in this team NCAA way of thinking. And, you know, you start off with the lead score and then you try to build on these scores as each gymnast gets, but, you know, the best gymnast going last. And we fought to be the last girl on the team to go. So we were fighting and competing against each other, but we pushed each other so much that we admired what the other one was able to do. And in doing so, you know, built this program. I, I joked um, at the at the event that 
we were so competitive with everything, but thankfully we had very different taste in men because that would have just completely messed up the friendship and the team and everything. I'm like, so we were very thankful that we knew right off the bat we had very different taste in men. But it was this relationship that continued to grow. And the, this story came to me because a week and a half, two weeks ago at this point, I, Tara and I reunited for the first time in 10 years. And it was the first time that we had a chance to introduce our kids to each other. And it was just a wonderful experience to just know that our, this friendship that started in 1990, we're now 2020, is, is a beautiful story. But the kids were sitting around and asking, like, which one of you was better? And it's, it was so nice to be able to look at each other and say, we were both, we were both great. And we were both it depended on any given day which one of us was going to be better. And in speaking to this room of women who I knew were 400 plus women and I knew were sitting at these tables and there was one investment bank and another investment bank and, you know, you look across the room and you see competing companies or you're sitting at a table within your company and you see a competing, you know, coworker who you're both vying for the same job or something. And we tend to get into this negative scarcity mindset that if she has it, I can't have it. And we compare ourselves and we have no idea what is actually happening or going on with each other. And yet if we're able to push each other and work together to both become better, I, I've just started to realize that there is more than enough to go around. Like there were more than enough competitions for Tara and I to compete in that one of us won and the other one won. And we can't, you know, looking back, I can't tell you how many times I won or how many times she won. It's just we both continued to get better. And so when you're looking at this competitors, it's a mirror image of you. They're doing and trying to accomplish the same things. And so when you, when you see that and you see that it doesn't have to be that if one gets it, the other one doesn't that there's more than enough to get around. Um, it just, it made for a very different mindset. And so that was really kind of how I started to, to go off on the day. And then I was sitting there listening to all of these different speakers. And there were some wonderful things on, on mindset and on discipline and on motivating yourself and on leadership. And then the leadership one was really fascinating because it was understanding how different people need to be led, how our different personalities are. And it came down to uh, Linda Cousineau was her name. And she used the acronym for bank, but it's on some, some of us are great at having the blueprint. We know the blueprint of how to, how to do things, how things need to be implemented to get things done. And then the next one was action. People who are just action people like go, 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 but really sometimes don't even know what the blueprint is, but they just kind of go, which is definitely under the category that I would fall under. John's giving his hand going, yeah, me too. And then the N was for a, a nurturer, you know, those that just want to make sure everyone else around them is taken care of. And and then you had the K, which was knowledge. So when you look at the way the four different personalities that especially managers, um, leaders need to be looking down at people are those that are great with the blueprint, those that have action, that are action driven, those that are more of the nurturers and those that are based on knowledge. And so I was listening to this wonderful presentation on leadership. And I kind of wish afterwards I had, I had told another story. But at this point, I was getting really good at keeping the day moving along. And so I was like, no, I've kept this day moving. I'm not going to say too much as I was transitioning from one speaker to the next. But there was a story that I haven't shared with people. And I, I wish I had, or at least I wish I would have spoken to the, the woman that was talking about leadership. Because take the same Tara and I and take us back to our fourth senior year 
in our very last competition. And we had built our program up. I mean, you're talking NCAA Division One. We had great crowds. We had, you know, this wonderful program. We had started with two of us on full rides. By the time we graduated, we had almost the entire team was on a full ride. Like that's how much that the program grew and it was it was a great program. And we had ranked as high as 11th in the country that year, in our senior year, which meant that we had a chance to make the national championships. We had won Atlantic 10 championships. Like, we had won our own, you know, divisions, like, if you, you know, the NCAA system. But we, were, we knew that at one point during the year we had come as high as 11th. So there was a chance for us to make nationals. And it was in our last competition. It was that, the Northeast, so the regionals, which would launch us to nationals. And our coach... Um, we had a gymnast that had had some issues, uh, was a little bit of a wild child. And the only thing left to do was that the coach, um, he yanked the girl. He's like, you're not competing. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty devastating, but she was, I would say was after Tara and I, the next best gymnast. And we counted on her for four events and, uh, Tara and I went absolutely ballistic like we went ballistic when he let the team know that uh, Denise wasn't going to be competing. Like we, we lost it. And we said to him, we have given you four years of our life. This is our opportunity. And you've just taken away our chance to make it like without Denise in the lineup, we can't, we can't, we know we can't win. And we just, we went off and we were just so upset at our coach for making this decision. And I will never forget what happened next um, because it definitely shifted everything for me. And it was, it was a real wake up call, but as captains, we went ballistic in front of our team with our coach openly admitting that we had just been defeated. And we looked back at the room and our teammates who we've spent all this time with looked at us. And then this freshman, this new girl that came in, she kind of looked at us like we, we had, she looked at us and she said, you have no idea. I don't, don't want to get teary eyed, but she's like, you have no idea how much we would have stepped up our game to make sure that you, we gave you guys a chance. Like never in all of this did I consider that without Denise, everybody else wouldn't step up. It was like, we lost this top player. We're screwed. And it was the lack of belief or faith in others that they had the ability to step up or do something miraculous or have like the best day that they've ever competed. And these young girls just looked up at us and said, you never even gave us a chance to prove to you that we could come out stronger. And that really hit hard because out of this four-year amazing career, that last competition was almost like I was so defeated and deflated because I had lost any leadership quality that I would have been proud to have on that last day and it stuck with me and now when I look at leadership how integral it is to have a belief or a sense of people to lead people to want to be better like everything we're trying to do is to be better versions of ourselves and when we don't get that from a leadership perspective no matter how they're going to try to deal with our personality you just want them to have the faith and the belief in you that you can do the job assigned that you can show up for the job that as nervous or as challenged as you might be with a, a task or you know something that's given to you that that people have a belief in what you're doing and I think I spoke about it a little bit in my hundredth episode but 
I never felt that at all when I was working in television. It was a, a toxic environment where they didn't compliment you or they didn't, you know, reward was never going to be you did a great job. It, so I didn't have that for 20 years just based on the industry that I went into. And it was the biggest thing coming out into a conference like this with women who were trying to empower and make other women feel really good. And by the end of the day at the conference, I found like every every woman that was in there left feeling like they had an assignment, that they had like something in their notebook that they wanted to try or do to be better, and that they felt that they had support from other women and that they weren't being judged. And my gosh, we judge each other. We judge each other on, on every aspect. And I think there was a, a sense that we understood that we didn't have to compare ourselves and it wasn't like... I'm going to look at your Instagram or something and it's going to have your highlight reel and because you have it, I can't have it. So it was just this kind of all coming together of what we can accomplish. And so I felt like this great high coming off of this event and there was a part of me that just wanted to share it kind of in this format also. Another thing that I've noticed over the the course of of this time and I, I talked about how out of place I felt last year at this event and how much at home I felt on a stage this year and it was understanding how much I've had to let go of myself from where I was last year feeling totally out of place and how I've had to get to the point that I'm at now and I think last year I would have said well I'll be happy when and we all say this I'll be happy when and then you insert when I have the car when I have the job when I have this Um, I'll start to do that when the kids are a little bit older. Um, I'll start to take this up again when I've lost the weight or I have the energy. Everything is I'm going to dot, dot, dot when. And the problem is the when is passing us by every day. The when is our life. Like the when is the journey of life. And it, it took me the last couple of months and with the meditation and all the stuff to realize that my when is now. Like, I will be happy, like, now, and it's not going to be the when I get back to my salary or when I start to kind of have all of these things happen to me or when I feel amazing in my body again or any of these whens. And I've really, really started to practice the gratitude and to practice enjoying this process. And it's the books that I'm reading. So I think I mentioned in one of my newsletters talking about uh, Gabby Bernstein and the super attractor and acknowledging and and realizing that the energy that I've been putting out into the world was so negative. You know, there was ang- like not anger, but like, you know, I hadn't quite figured out where I wanted to go next. I hadn't quite figured out who I wanted to be. I hadn't let go of who I was. And that was like, took me a good year more than I thought it was going to. And And the realization that if I wasn't going to enjoy every day of this process, that this was a useless project. This was useless for me to step away two years ago from a job to go find and be something better. And I've been wasting my time not enjoying this process and this journey. So it was definitely a shift that I made to say, I'm going to be happy today based on trying this, this, and this. And so I don't get out of bed anymore. I lie in bed for a second and before my feet hit the ground, I tell myself that it's going to be a great day. And I've I've really started to practice this and I got to say like, and sometimes like if I hop up because I got to go pee or I got to grab something or the phone rings, I almost like get back into bed and like because I miss the opportunity to put my feet down and say it's going to be a great day, I'll actually kind of get back in and sit back up and then place my feet on the ground and say, it's going to be a great day today. And I've learned to appreciate 
the ups and the downs and learning about people and learning about myself because I've gotten really excited about certain projects that have failed. And I've gotten really excited about certain emails or phone calls that I'm going to make that didn't quite pull through, which I'm understanding is totally part of an entrepreneurial journey. But I've learned to enjoy it because I really feel like at the end of this process, I'm going to have a lot more stories to tell as to how to be able to let other people know how to go from A to B without having any direction other than the simple belief that it's going to be a good day, that it's going to get better, and that you're going to learn and grow as a person. So I know that I've been doing that and changing the way I feel about the I'll be happy when. So it's no longer I'm going to be happy when I get my salary back or I'm going to be happy when. It's I am honestly in the gratitude that I write every day and it's like based on like ridiculous things. Like I'm grateful for like my coffee and like the heat in my house and the gas in my car. And sometimes you have to just break it really down to basic things. But I'm honestly, I I have learned to appreciate things so much more and finding joy in this journey now. And I am loving my podcasts and I appreciate all of you who are learning, but I'm getting calls and I'm getting emails from people around the world now who want to get on and want to share their information. And it's amazing to be able to see and feel and know that I'm starting like, it's like, um, it's like this, what's the like little drip in the water and then it's like this it's a slow ripple effect and I finally feel like now that just because the ripple effect was a lot slower than I thought it doesn't mean it's not still rippling and and that has been part of the joy that I found is like if you just enjoy the small ripple then even the bigger and bigger and bigger ripples will be amazing and so there's that part that that came into it and listening also to the speakers they talk a lot about wanting to have something and but having no discipline or motivation or how to do it or how to find that mindset you have to actually make the choice it's not going to nothing in any of the things that you're changing is going to happen naturally you actually have to make the choice to make the decision to change the behavior and change the dialogue that is going on inside your head and i know that when we started the 100th i'd already really gotten into the meditation but it's really focusing in on when the negative limiting beliefs, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, they have it so I can't have it, I haven't done that so why would I even try? It's those limiting beliefs that we have to make the choice to be able to change. It's saying I can't get up early enough to go to the gym or I don't have the energy to cook or I don't have the time to do this. Well, you're ne- unless you make the choice to change, which is like the most difficult of all of it, nothing that you're hoping to have happen to you in life is going to happen. The universe is not going to respond. The energy that you're giving to the universe is not going to respond. But I can honestly tell you when I see a shift in my energy, I see a shift in the people around me and the things that are happening in the emails that I get in the calls that are happening. Like I used to read about and go, Oh my God, that's such bullshit. Like really? Like, you know, and I was close minded to it and and I'm so glad that I'm not anymore because I really have felt the difference when my energy and I have good vibes, what it attracts in the universe has been amazing. But things that I really want to touch on, because I heard them talked about at this conference, when we talk about our drive and our discipline and our motivation, here are a couple of things that I really still want to get through. You are not going to automatically, I'll be happier when I'm healthy. That is not going to happen unless you are physically making a change and changing the way you eat and changing the way you're prepping everything. So I want to go over a couple of things that were essential to me and still are essential to me. Make an appointment for yourself. You are 
your biggest client, your biggest investment. And if you are not making an appointment within the day to take care of yourself, it is never going to happen. No one's going to make that appointment for you and no one's going to do it for you. So whether it's taking some time for self-care, for some timeouts, for a chance to go for a walk or to breathe or to go to the gym or to maybe get into the kitchen and cook some healthier foods, like none of that is going to happen. So if you have an opportunity, you book in your car appointment, your dentist, your doctor, all of your clients, your patients, whatever it is, you have got to book that in. And it is an essential part. Like everyone's like, what was the biggest thing for you? And I'm like, I made an appointment for myself every day. And so find the time either for the gym, for a walk at lunch, uh, after dinner, or just even do something within the home. Find that time to be able to do it. The Sunday prep at the kitchen is still huge for me and as it was through the 20 years that I was working. But the Sunday that I go to the grocery store and come home and just chop up my vegetables, chop up the fruit, take out the stuff, put everything in baggies, put things in Tupperware, The better we are at when we reach for things in the fridge that I'm not reaching for the snacks and the packaged and the processed stuff. But if the things are there and they're ready to grab, I am more likely to go grab a hard-boiled egg and some carrots and dip and I'll make the dip with like sour cream and like the onion soup mix. Like you can do things like that so that you can at least make half the choice. So when you can go into the fridge and grab certain things, um, it really helps. So the kitchen prep for me was one thing. The packing the bags, especially if you're someone who's going to go to the gym from work, before work, after work, that gym bag should be packed and it should be in the car. The moment that you have to say to yourself, well, I'll just go home and then I'll change and then I'll head out. It's not, it is not going to happen. When you are, make the commitment, pack the bag, have it in your car and go on the way home. As soon as I found that I would walk through the door, the day, the day was done. Okay, so I know right now there's going to be some people are going that is selfish. Uh, I have kids. I need to get home. I need to cook dinner. I need to have everything out on the table. And I go, I, I get that. I, I get I get that. And it's and there's there is an aspect that there's truth to that. And so if you're able to have dinners or things prepped and ready in advance and that your partner can take on some of the responsibility and you share this responsibility. But I still come down to the fact that if you are not healthy, feeling good, have the energy, uh, have, you know, this this not carefree, but that you're not feeling stressed and overwhelmed and you can know that you're taking care of yourself, then you are going to be a better mother, partner, friend to the rest of the family. Everyone's always like, especially as women, we do everything for everyone else and then we put ourselves last and at the end of the day, we're not the ones that feel like crap, don't have the energy, are miserable, are anxious, are stressed, are depressed. And my thing is to swap it around. If you at the helm of the family are feeling good, know you've taken care of yourself, it is such an amazing trickle-down effect. And your children see that you are investing in yourself and that you are investing in being healthy and want to feel good and want to be healthy and want to be able to play at the park and go and do things. And if you're the grandparents, you want to show that your grandkids that healthy living extends way past that so that you can roll on the ground with them and play on the ground with them. And so, yes, you might look at it as a selfish thing that you're making the appointment for yourself. I look at it that it is the best gift that you can give to your family is that you are in the right headspace, that you feel good, that you're healthy, that your body is functioning and that you're sleeping and that you're finding activity because when that happens, everything else functions so much better. I've done it. I incorporated it. I have friends that do it. 
you can take my word for it or you can continue to be on the same spiral that you're on. But maybe in all of this, take something from it to be able to shift the behavior. And there are books and there are trainers and you can go on anything. Like there is information that is available to you. The only information that you really need to shift right off the start is whatever negative shit you are telling yourself constantly, 24 hours a day inside your head. We are our worst enemies. If you pay attention to how negative you're constantly talking to yourself, when you start to catch it, Eventually, eventually, and us through the meditation, you, you catch yourself doing it. I mean, that was the biggest wake up call for me was when I would catch myself talking negatively to myself. And what we say to ourselves, our body believes. And so you are just getting into that. I'm never going to be healthy. I'm never going to lose the weight. I'm never going to be able to go do this. And so it's it's about it's it's making it's making it's making the choice. It's it's always about making the choice. And my gosh, it's it's not going to be easy, but it is so worth it. Like. If you can think about where you're going to be six months from now and look back at where you were, I, I promise you it's like this weight, this weight lifts off of you. And so that's just kind of the start of what I'm kind of wanting to talk about. And I have the guests and I have the experts that are talking to you about this. So if you're just joining into this podcast, go through the 118, 17 that we have before this of experts talking about how to find the right things that are going to apply to your life and your mindset. And a lot of it's coming down as I'm seeing because I have so many people reaching out about mental health and how we're kind of how we're living our lives and and we have depression and anxiety in adults in our children and so it is a a topic that is continually being discussed and expanded on and ways to be able to deal with it and so I want to be able to continue to bring you that information and I'm going to do so and I'm looking at the list of my upcoming podcasts and I'm excited about the list of people that I have coming your way coming from so many different backgrounds and and that's definitely one thing that surprised me the most is where I'm getting my guests from now because had you asked me two years ago when I thought health and wellness what I was going to be talking about never in a million years did I think I'd have the lineup of guests talking to me and it reaching so many people because we all want to go about it in a different way right some people are going to choose spirituality some people are going to be just that blueprint like show me how why does this make sense show me the science and we'll go that way but hopefully you feel like I'm representing you in doing this podcast and i I really appreciate the positive feedback. And so I am really trying in my new mindset to kind of just be open that people are genuinely good. And we as we, as women, we are really good. And smiling at someone or giving a compliment. And I know I mentioned this in one of my newsletters. I gave Andy... I gave Andy an assignment because as she's 15, she lives on her phone. She's in the midst of Snapchat, Snapchatting everyone. She does these streaks all the time. So she's streaking like 100 people. And I asked her, like, you've streaked, like, you won't go to bed until you've sent your streaks. And I go, and I get it. And you have to keep these streaks up. But have you actually made eye contact or said hello to any of these people that you panic at night that you haven't sent your streaks back? I go, how often have you actually said hello to this person or smiled at them in the hall? Because I know that there are people that she's too intimidated to make eye contact with, but she'll go on her phone and she'll send the streaks. And they have like 100 days of streaks, but they actually won't make eye contact and say hello. So this is me at this point going, 
I like to smile and play compliments. And I told Andy, like, you have to compliment a stranger. You have to say hello to two new people a day. And you have to say hello to at least one person you have on Snapchat that you streak every day, but that you don't actually have a conversation with. So I'm going to leave it with that. There are so many other things that I wanted to kind of get to, but I didn't want this to be like this really long, kind of crazy long podcast like my hundredth was. And just to come off of the high that I felt being at this women in business conference a year ago, not knowing if I was, you know, I was going off to the hospital to do a biopsy. I was kind of listening to my body going, oh my God, what is going on with me? I'm sitting at the back of the room feeling completely out of place, totally uncomfortable, not in an entrepreneurial business mindset because I couldn't convince myself that that's what I was doing these days. And to fast forward a year and just be in a very different mindset with a very different energy on the stage, leading the woman throughout the day and feeling like I had finally arrived back at home. And I wish that for all of you, that you get into a spot where you notice your energy, you notice if your head is down, if you haven't smiled to that person, if you're not saying hello to that stranger, if you're listening to the negative chit-chat chatter, 95% in the brain, all of it's past, some of it's future, none of it, none of it is present moment of being aware and awakened to what is happening in that moment. And so it's no longer going to be, I'll be happy when, take that out. That's like, toss that. It is no longer in our vocabulary. Make the choice. Make the small shifts in your behavior and the way you're thinking right now. And I'm really just at the beginner stage of this. So it's not like I can go like all of these self-help or these authors that have all these best-selling authors and and, and books and, and they know what they're doing. But take it from someone who's at least taken the first step of the beginner stage. And I'm telling you months in, you will see a shift, you will notice a change. And I can't wait to continue to share the journey with you. So with that being said, I'm going to wrap up the second attempt at the solo podcast. Um, It was really difficult for me to even press play. As you know, like I, I made John just press record so I would start talking. But that's going to be a wrap. And as I always wrap these up, please continue to like and share and comment. If you can go to the rankings and rank and rate the podcast or put a comment. It really helps it grow and it helps it get kind of into different platforms and let other people around the world know that it exists. And from the bottom of my heart, I am truly grateful. And I do have that in my gratefulness when I write what I'm grateful for um, is that there are great supporters and people who are listening and, and hopefully incorporating some of these things into their everyday life. So much love. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang and have a great day. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember... Anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.